This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey spooky fam, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Morbid Curiosity, a paranormal and true crime podcast. This is your host, Haley. I will be taking you through some of the most morbid, heinous, and shocking crimes, plus the paranormal, as you join me bi-weekly to cure your morbid curiosity. Join me on Facebook to join other listeners for announcements, updates, etc., and on Instagram to see photos related to the cases that I cover. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and don't forget to leave me a review if you enjoy it. Thank you for all your support, and let's get started. The jungle can be a scary place, and some find it adventurous and fun, maybe even relaxing, just like our victims of today's mysterious story. This is the story of Chris Kramer and Lisanne Froome. Chris, who was 21, Lisanne, 22, both grew up in Amersfoort, Utrecht, in the Netherlands. Chris was described as an open, creative, responsible individual, while Lisanne was described as an aspiring, optimistic, intelligent, and a passionate volleyball player. Chris had just completed her studies in cultural social education, specializing in art education at the University of Utrecht from Deventer, and Lisanne had graduated with a degree in applied psychology. In 2014, only a few weeks prior for them going to Panama, Lisanne had moved in with Chris in a dorm room in Amersfoort, and they worked together at a cafe or restaurant called Inden Kleinenhap. They both saved up their money for approximately six months. They planned to go to Panama together on a special little six-week vacation, hoping to learn Spanish, tour the towns, and do something of significance for the locals there. Particularly involving children, they wanted to volunteer at schools and help them and help them learn. Now, the trip was also supposed to be a graduation present for Lisanne. Chris and Lisanne arrived in Panama on March 15, 2014. They toured the country for two weeks before arriving in Boquet, Cherokee. After the first two weeks, the girls moved in with a local family who was to be their host for the next four weeks while they volunteered at a nearby school. On April 1, 2014, Lisanne and Chris decided to go for a hike with the family's dog named Azul around 11 in the morning. Now, this was near the clouded forest that surrounded the Baru Volcano on the El Panista Trail not far from where they stayed. It was another inconsistency though because a taxi driver stated that he dropped them off a little after 1.30 p.m. that day instead of 11. Part of the his story kind of got dismissed as they thought maybe he just got confused because later when they investigated this, the photos from their phone show 11 in the morning. Another thing is, why did they decide to just go on a hike because they literally planned a guided tour with an expert 
tourist guide the next day. So people were kind of confused as to why they just decided to go off by themselves as they had this plan the next day. The women also posted Facebook posts on April 1st before they went on their unattended hike in which they discussed their intentions to go on a tour by themselves around the village and that they were going to have brunch with two fellow Dutchmen before embarking on their hike. Although Chris did send a text message to her boyfriend on Tuesday that said they were going for a hike, although inconsistent consistent with what happened. Now, it has been explained away as just their plans possibly changing, but unfortunately, they were never seen again. Now, if you don't know, people tend to go missing on these hiking trails all the time. Approximately 2,000 people will go missing each year with around 29 cold cases of hikers going missing in national parks. The total number of people who go missing in the U.S. every year is more than 600,000 and approximately 1,600 of them are in the U.S. wildlands and hiking trails, which also Panama itself is a really dangerous place to go off hiking, but it does offer approximately 55 hiking trails, 24 walking trails, 14 mountain bike trails, and more. The two women went out on the El Penista Trail, which is around 4.9 miles. It's lightly trafficked with moderate chance to see wildlife. Speaking of wildlife, in June of 2023 this year, a jaguar attacked and killed a lone hiker who was a middle-aged man in the middle of the day. Now, El Penista Trail is as well traveled as other hikes in the Bokeh area. Its remoteness and super undeveloped tropical jungle make it perfect for a habitat for wild animals like jaguars or mountain lions. The entire trail itself takes four to five hours to complete and that's if you don't get lost which you can travel through some not so pleasant conditions like steep inclines, muddy areas, and uneven rocky ground. That makes the trail moderate for difficult and definitely not for beginners or light hikers. Now, on the night of April 1st, the host family noticed something was wrong when their dog had returned, all safe and sound, but alone. The women were nowhere to be found or seen, and the host family searched the area around their home, but decided to wait until morning to alert the authority. That night, the host family called Lisanne's mother in the Netherlands and asked if she heard from the girls, but of course her mom said no. Given the girls were on vacation, the host family did not report it to the police. They thought they were outside enjoying themselves, and after all, they were not the girls' real family. On April 2nd, the women had missed an appointment with that local tour guide that we discussed earlier, who was supposed to take them on a private walking tour of Bouquet, which prompted the host family to alert authorities immediately. The next morning, an aerial search of the forest was conducted as well as a search of the village and the lightly wooded areas by the locals themselves. By April 6th, the two were still missing. Fearing the worst, the families of Chris and Lisanne flew to Panama, bringing with them detectives from the Netherlands. Along with local police and canine units, they searched the forest for up to 10 days. During these two weeks, and after approximately 10 whole weeks, there were still no signs of either women. Even with the families putting forth 30,000 US dollars for any information, but nothing was ever brought forth. As news traveled fast through the small towns and communities, locals and foreigners united together in teams to locate the missing girls, but nobody could find anything. There was not a single remnant, a footprint, hair, anything. Nothing to show that the girls had even been in the area 
at least for now. It wasn't until August of that same year that bits of their bones were recovered. Then, as police were slowing their search efforts, a local woman turned in a blue backpack claiming to have found it in a rice paddy along the banks of the river. Inside the backpack were two pairs of sunglasses, a small amount of money, Lisanne's passport, a single water bottle, Chris's medical insurance card, and two bras. Also inside, but most importantly, was Lisanne's camera and both of their cell phones. Police noted that they did not seem to have a house key, which they surely thought was kind of odd since they were staying with the host family and surely had a key. Police immediately investigated the camera and the phones that they found and came up with disturbing evidence. The phones had remained in service for almost 10 days after the women disappeared. Over just four days, 77 separate attempts had been made to call the police, both via 112, the emergency number in the Netherlands, and 911, the emergency number in Panama. Using the call logs, police were able to come up with an outline of the time the girls spent missing in the forest. The first two emergency calls had been just hours after they began their hike to the 112 emergency number. Due to the dense jungle, neither attempts went through. In fact, out of all 77 calls, only one managed to make contact, but broke up just after two seconds. On April 4th, Lisanne's phone battery had died just after 5 in the morning, and the phone was never used again. Chris's iPhone would not make any more calls either, but was intermediately turned on to search for reception. Between April 5th and the 11th, Chris's iPhone was turned on multiple times and the incorrect pin was entered. Either no pin or a wrong pin was entered. That's what that means. Her correct pin was never entered again. On April 11th, the phone was turned on around 10.51 in the morning and turned off for the last time around 11.56 in the morning. Chris's phone log goes as follows. April 1st at 4.39 p.m. she attempted 112. Again the next day on the 2nd at 8.14 she attempted 112. The next day on the 3rd at 9.32 in the morning she tried 911 and she checks the signal at 11.47 in the morning as well as 3.59 p.m. The next day on the 4th at 10.16 a.m. and 1.42 p.m., she checks the signal. The next day on the 5th, 10.50 a.m. and 1.37 p.m., she checks the signal with no pen. The next day on the 6th, 10.26 a.m. and 1.37 p.m., she checks the signal, no pens. And on the 11th, she skipped a few days. At 10.51 a.m., she checks the signal with no pin, and at 11.56 a.m., the phone turned off and no further activity was activated. She only had 22% battery left. Lucanne's phone log goes as follows. April 1st at 4.51 p.m., an attempt to 112. The next day on the 2nd at 6.58 a.m., another attempt to 112. The same day at 10.52 a.m., she attempted 112 and 911. At 1.50 p.m. the same day, she did a signal check, and she had a call attempt number four, which at the time was unconfirmed and unknown due to a disruption in service, but she did try to call 911. At 4.19 p.m. same day on the second, signal check and phone is on all night. The next day on the 3rd at 7.36 a.m., her phone is turned off. The next day on the 4th at 4.50 in the morning, she did a signal check. At 5 in the morning, she did a signal check. 
Her battery then dies and no further activity listed. Although the call logs were definitely disturbing, it was nothing compared to what was found on Lisanne's camera. Her Canon PowerShot SX270 HS digital camera contained around 133 photos starting from April 1st, suggesting that the women had taken a trail at the overlook of the Continental Divide and wandered into some wilderness just hours before their first attempt at making emergency calls, but with no signs of anything unusual besides a few deleted photos, which was definitely considered odd considering out of the whole entire trip, they never deleted their photos. However, the second set of photos were quite worrisome since the camera hadn't been used seven days prior. The camera was powered on again and someone took more than 90 photos and they were in the middle of the night pitch black between the hours of 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. on April 8th. The photos showed a flash photo of a side of a cliff or a hill and others showed the two women's belongings spread out among rocks with plastic bags and candy wrappers, oddly piled mounds of dirt, a mirror, and the most concerning is the back of Chris's head with blood leaking from her temple. These photos were definitely unsettling since compared to the earlier photos the woman had taken, it was a totally different vibe and a creepy one. The discovery of the backpack led to new searches along the Calubre River. Chris's denim shorts were found atop a rock on the opposite bank of the tributary, a few kilometers away from where the backpack had been discovered. Now, a rumor claimed that the shorts were found zipped and neatly folded, but pictures of the shorts published in 2021 disproved this information. Two months later, a little closer to where the backpack was discovered, searchers discovered a piece of pelvic bone, later tested and proved to be Chris's, and a boot behind a tree along the river which contained a sock, an intact left human foot and ankle bones with enough flesh for DNA testing. By the end of August 2014, DNA tests linked the foot to Lisanne. Also, by her boot was a piece of her flesh found rolled into a ball. Soon, at least 33 widely scattered bones were discovered along the same riverbank. DNA testing confirmed that they belonged to Chris and Lisanne. They also found bits of Chris's skin in the jungle. Lisanne's bones still had some skin attached to them while Chris's bones appeared to have been bleached. A Panamanian forensic anthropologist later claimed that under magnification, quote, there are no discernible scratches of any kind on the bone, neither of natural nor cultural origin. There are no marks on these bones at all. A fragment of skin was found on the banks of the Rio Colbre River that could be attributed to Lisanne's after forensic analysis. This was in an early state of decomp, unlike the physical remains found of Chris. Now, had natural decomp of the body near a river caused the bones, which are of course heavier than water, to sink to the bottom of the river, the marks on the bones should have been visible from friction with the riverbed. One bone fragment attributed to Chris involved a bleed half of her pelvis. Under natural decomp, a pelvis, especially from a younger person, does not simply break in half. Furthermore, it is not likely to have been caused by predators. Moreover, the bone was missing joint tissue that remains intact on the bone years under natural decomp. In late August 2014, a fragment of skin was found on the banks of the Rio Cobra River that could be attributed to Lisanne after forensic analysis. 
This was in the overstate of Decomp, unlike the physical remains found of Chris. By March 2015, almost a year after the women traveled to Panama, investigators at last reached their conclusion. Their research into the case suggests the women most likely suffered some sort of accident while hiking, but they became lost in the forest. Lisanne had supposedly fallen a great distance and either died in or near the river. Her foot would support this theory. Experts said that breaks in the ankle and the foot could only occur from a fall from a great height. The taken photos showed the date of when the women tried to contact emergency services, likely after Chris suffered her injury. But in the dark, they couldn't find their way back. Lisanne died trying to exit the forest, leaving Chris dead or dying. The remains then decomposed thanks to the river and the rain and ended up scattered miles away. There was finally a resolution to the mystery and the case could rest. Still, some people weren't so sure. Many claim the Panamanian authorities totally botched their handling of the case. A writer for the Panama paper, La Estrella Adelia Corriet, said the whole thing was a mess. She reported there was no chain of custody established for the recovered evidence or remains. She also said the 30 prints found on the backpack not only remained unidentified, but none of the indigenous peoples involved with the case had their prints recorded. She voiced further concern over the investigation of the electronics, saying that the condition of the equipment found was inconsistent with the place where it turned up. The lack of damage to the equipment was rather suspicious, but the police didn't investigate this matter and also failed to scrutinize a photo deleted off the camera. Lawyer Enrique Arrocha, who works for Chris's family, voiced concern about the handling of evidence. He claimed there wasn't a forensic investigation conducted at the crime scene, and the evidence and its sources remain unverified. Furthermore, still lost are the women's skulls and other major bones, which may reveal a bit more definitive cause of death. Per an interview with the Daily Beast, the authority told them, quote, It's a sad fact, but serious investigation was never done by the public ministry. Everything had to be hushed up to protect tourism. I want tourists to come to Panama, too, but the government must still do its job. The victims deserve justice, and the families deserve to know what really happened. To this day, the disappearance of both women and their deaths remain a harrowing mystery. We may never know what happened to them or how they died. It's just an unfortunate fact. Many mind-blowing theories have emerged, including one claim that Chris could still be alive after she was trafficked into a sex trade by a kidnapper roaming in the jungle, and after taking a deep dive into all the evidence and flying out to do their own probe, Dutch authors Marjorie West and Jurgen Schnoderen believe the girls died after an accident. In their book, Lost in the Jungle, they comb through all the mysteries of the case, aiming to debunk wild conspiracy theories surrounding their deaths. But the pair admitted there were still a lot of unknowns, and they are now set to return to Boquette in hope of finding the rest of the girls' bodies, finding out what really happened. As they plot their way to return to Panama with a pathologist, a rescue team, and documentary producers to solve this case, Marja and Jurgen have come up with a potential new search area. Quote, Marja says, Nobody has ever looked for the rest of their remains. It's as simple as that. The last time anyone went there from the Netherlands was January 2015. You can't just walk there. There's flash floods, there's waters that will rise and fall in a matter of minutes. 
There are house-sized boulders near the river. You can't even climb them. There's a lot of volcanoes in the area, so it's very steep. Once you're down at the river, there's no way you can get back. But at the end of the river, there's a dam. There's a filter that stops all the boulders and branches, etc. If the bones were taken by the river, you might find them at the dam. I think that's our best chance, end quote. Now, of course, I try to follow their little investigation that they were doing, but I didn't find any further evidence. Um, now, you got to remember, this is in the Netherlands, and just because I didn't find it doesn't mean it's not there. It's honestly probably in Dutch and probably online somewhere. So, if anybody is fluent in Dutch and you want to look the rest of this case up as far as if there has been any evidence found, that would be amazing. You can send it to me at morbidcuriositytcpodcast at gmail.com and I will do another update for us. But as far as what I have, that's all the information that I was able to gather for us all today. I hope you enjoyed today's case. Tune in again every other week, that is bi-weekly, to hear another riveting case. I'll catch you next time on a new episode of Morbid Curiosity. This is your host, Nicole, signing off.